Welcome to Get More Retirement with Bruce Smith, founder and president of the Wealthcare Investment Center. Each week, we discuss strategies to help you preserve, protect, and enhance your wealth because saving for retirement is just the beginning. We've developed an innovative approach to retirement wealth and tax management, powerful strategies to help you get the most from your nest egg and help you live the retirement you want and deserve. Have a question for the team? Connect with us at wealthcare.com. That's wealthcare.com. Or call 888-888-5601. 888-888-5601. Get more retirement starts now. Hello, along with Bruce Smith, I'm Cheryl White, and coming up on Get More Retirement Today, artificial intelligence and the hallucination effect. Is AI a trustworthy source for financial advice? How old is old? Well, the line apparently keeps moving. And the top three money habits of the wealthiest people. We'll find out if they make sense for all of us. Good day to you, Bruce Smith. Hey, how are you doing, Cheryl? Doing great. And I'm feeling so good. I want to take you back in time to a place full of happy little trees. (laughs) Back (laughs) about 40 years, let's say, when the joy of painting made its debut on PBS. You know Bob Ross. 40 years you got to stop coming up with these segments because I'm sure people are listening. They're feeling like me going, oh, great, that was 40 years years ago. It seems like it was 10. Well, you know, that show was so simple. Now we're talking about the joy of painting with Bob Mm -hmm. Ross, of course. Mm -hmm. Simple show. I mean, it couldn't have been more simple. You had one man, an easel, and a palette. I mean, that was it for an entire hour. But now we accelerate four decades. And AI is now creating what you know, they call art. I'm not sure if that really counts, but artificial intelligence is everywhere in our world right now. And the financial world too, Bruce. (laughs) Our Drew Nelson did a little experiment with AI. ChatGPT does this thing where it gives you information that sounds legit, but it's false. It's a phenomenon with AI known as hallucinating. I asked ChatGPT, what was Sting's highest charting song? And the answer came back, If I Ever Lose My Faith in You, went to number 17 on the Hot 100. But I already knew better. I'd been doing some research on Sting. Don't ask me why. I replied, what about If You Love Someone, Set Them Free? And the response was, my apologies for the oversight in the previous message. That song went to number three. And consider this. There's a lawyer who was fined after the judge figured out that he had submitted a brief full of fake case citations. ChatGPT wrote it for him and made a bunch of stuff up. Now, knowing that, would you trust an AI like ChatGPT to manage your money? A CNBC poll says 37% of people would. I'm Drew Nelson. So on top of that, Bruce, 4% of people in that survey said they are already using AI for financial advice. Your thoughts? Mm -hmm. The thing is, doing this, you know, every day for 36 years, you see things. And one thing a lot of people have always claimed that I see things that other people don't see. I mean, I see them quicker, I see deeper, I see wider. And you and I have talked about that in the past. Mm -hmm. But obviously, ChatGTP is a buzz. AI is a buzz. You know, oh my God, what's happening? Speaking of which, I guess we need to digress and update the listeners. So last week, we talked about Coca-Cola coming out with their Y3000, which is the artificial intelligence generated recipe for coca-cola what will people be drinking in the future the taste of the future the taste of the future yes so i'll be darned you know we were on the road friday monica and i and and we pulled into a a rest stop there rest uh, store at rudders and and i went back to the cooler because she wanted the diet pepsi i'm like okay so i'll get a couple diet pepsis i look over and i see this odd label coke bottle and i thought hmm what's that you know and i went why three thousand like You've got to be kidding me. And I said on the show last week that I just, almost every one of these new flavors or newfangled recipes are almost always an abysmal fail, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, so I get this thing and I, and I put it in the drink holder in the car and we're driving down the highway and I open this thing up and she says, what is that? I said, well, this is going to be interesting. I said, this is the new artificial intelligence recipe developed for Coca-Cola. They asked or AI what the taste of the future would be. And I took a swig and I kind of sloshed it around in my mouth. I went, hmm. You know, this isn't bad. I couldn't identify it, but it wasn't bad. It was pretty darn good. Really? Yeah. And somewhere far reaching in, in the ingredients, it seemed like it had a little bit of apple and a little bit of cinnamon. But other than that, you couldn't tell. What listeners don't know is that my Uncle Chuck worked for Coca-Cola for about 30 years or 40 years, I guess. And uh, he just happened to come to the house yesterday and uh, 
I had another bottle. I poured some in the glass with ice, and I shielded what it was, what the bottle was. And I said, "Try this," you know. He said, "He said, you know, that's that's pretty pretty good." You know, oh. he said, "But I I can't identify what it is." And I showed him the bottle, and he I said, "It's it's a Coke product," and he went. Really? And I, and I said AI, and he went, oh, God, no, you're got to be kidding me. You know? so, so revisiting that one, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, it was actually pretty decent. You know, feel free to grab a bottle, give it a shot, and uh, you can always just go to our site, mm. wealthcare with a K dot com, wealthkare, and shoot me a message there and what, what you thought of it. But what I see in this is that, you know, it says 37% of people would try or would, you know, look at AI managing their portfolio. Interestingly, that's about the same number of people who have said they're unhappy with how their portfolio is being managed or what their performance is or what their advisor is doing, whatever. If they saw a better way, they would consider, you know, moving their money and doing that. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily a majority, meaning more than 51%, but it's a significant chunk of what's out there is that people, what they're looking for or what their expectations are from their portfolio or from their portfolio wealth manager is not in line. And quite often, to be very fair and very honest, the consumer in most cases, in my opinion, is right. There is something missing. There is something that they're not getting from that advisor or from their do-it-yourself plan or whatever it may be. Maybe they don't know what they want, but they know what they have is not what they want. And so you begin this journey, this, this search, if you will, you know, for what is the best strategy? What, what will help me get the most money out of my retirement or out of my investments? I can understand where that number comes from, but I don't think it's as much an endorsement of AI as it is, you know, hey, I'm willing to try something new because what I'm doing isn't working the way I want it to. That makes a lot of sense. But what about the 4% who say they are already using it? Well, it says, you know, it says to help them manage their portfolio. Trust me, I, that 4%, literally nobody's doing anything but AI, and AI is making all the calls of the buys and sells. You can say, you know, I'm using AI, for example, to ladder your bonds, which in and of itself, it's the alleviation of a tedious process. You know, it's nice if we could automate it and use AI for that. And, and how bad can it be? You know, if you're laddering bonds, the, the deviation isn't that big. You know, so for a portion or maybe to take away a tedious task within the portfolio management, you know, again, if you're using AI for that, then that certainly falls into that category of helping to manage your portfolio. I still think we need that human eye, that human touch when we're talking about planning, because it's customized every single person. Everyone is different. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, I think over time, we will find that, you know, AI exists somewhere in the chain. If you look, for example, at a, at a portfolio, you know, all the different levels that people have in a portfolio. So you have, first of all, the let's just say Walmart stock, okay? Now that Walmart stock may present itself as an individual stock. It may present itself as a holding within a mutual fund. It may find itself within the holding of an index fund. There's a lot of different ways that it can present itself. So, you know, you take that individual Walmart stock and you say, first of all, is Walmart using AI <laughs> in order to run their company, in order to make it profitable, to make it and make that, that stock attractive? So you have that AI link. Then you have, you know, if it's not just that you personally purchased that, that stock, if it was recommended to you, well, what was utilized? What research was utilized? Maybe that, you know, AI didn't tell you to buy the stock, but AI was being used by Morningstar, for example, to generate the reports. That's what we saw here with the judge finding this attorney because he used, you know, citations that were incorrect or they came from AI. Mm -hmm. You know, imagine turning in a doctoral thesis, you know, with, with all these citations. You've worked your whole life to, to get that doctorate and, and then have your review board, you know, kick it because, you know, it turns out these citations were wrong. You go, well, wait a minute. That, that was the research, you know. Well, you know, you got to do the work yourself. You know, you can't trust AI for that. And I, I think it will get better over time. I think it will participate in some small way or, or some piece of portfolio management. But I think more of a side venue as opposed to like research or whatever to cause that recommendation to come. Now, that recommendation may come automatically. It may be part of, of ongoing portfolio management. Uh, it may be, you know, the design of the S&P 500, whatever it may be. It's just as technology, not artificial intelligence, but technology has changed significantly what we can do. You know, what we do at WealthCare. I mean, our strongest suit is, and we tell people all the time, you know, you can get significant greater value out of most retirement plans by having a forward-looking and established tax management strategy as part of your overall wealth management, you know, especially in the area of retirement. 25, 30 years ago, 
you know, we didn't have the technology that would allow us to have such a complex algorithm, be able to plot that and chart that and calculate that for going forward, for that forward-looking opportunity. So, you know, technology has, has certainly brought us to where we are today, both good and bad, to be fair, but mainly good. And I think AI will become an integral part of that. But I can honestly say, you know, it, one thing in wealthcare is I don't want to be the bleeding edge of technology. You know, and that's where AI is, in my opinion. You know, you can be on the leading edge, but you don't want to be on the bleeding edge. We're not employing it. You know, you get real people if you deal with wealth care. You talk to real people. We really do the planning. It's really a personal approach. It's, it's people that are doing it. AI in the future may be an integral part, but I think right now it's kind of shiny object. You know, <laughs> ooh, you know, ooh, look here. You can, you can have this, this AI managed. You know, we do that and other people aren't doing it. Uh, if I have that choice, especially given a lot of the faux pas that are out there with uh, AI, I would not choose to do that. But I think, you know, this, this study, if nothing else, has shown us that the majority of people in the survey, regardless, have said, no, that's yes. not for me. And I, and I still believe that's correct. If you'd like to reach out and talk with Bruce about this or in general about your retirement options, here's the number. It's 888-888. 5601. A lot more coming up, for example, why the holidays are not looking quite as bright this year for seasonal workers. And should we all be thinking about money the way the wealthiest people do? Stay right here as Get More Retirement with Bruce Smith continues. You've been planning your retirement for some time, but now you are watching the economy and financial markets destroying your plan. If your path to retirement or through retirement is in question, it's time for a second option. At the Wealthcare Investment Center, we can help you elevate your planning to weather financial storms today and into the future. We know you don't want to postpone retirement or run out of money during retirement. So now is your best time to talk with an elite wealth strategist. Let us show you how our high level of planning and management can help you protect and grow your wealth during volatile markets, reduce your retirement taxes, and build a more durable plan for a sustainable retirement income. Let us help you get your planning back on track and moving in the right direction. Now is the right time to upgrade your plan. If you have saved at least $500,000 or more for your retirement, get a second opinion from one of our elite wealth specialists. Schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today. Call the Wealthcare team now at 888-888-5601. That number again is 888-888-5601. You can also visit us online at wealthcare.com. That's wealthcare.com. Seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone. We paid paradise, put up a parking lot. This is Get More Retirement with founder and president of the Wealthcare Investment Center, Bruce Smith. I'm Cheryl White. And Bruce, we promised early in the show that we'd be talking about age. How old is old? Now we want to get the most out of retirement and we want to get the most out of living in our retirement years. Our perception of old age has really changed because I think that we're more active. We're, we're different people than retirees, say, 30 or 40 years ago. Oh, yeah. And, and the other thing, too, you have to find out is, is love is a big quotient, I found out, because my granddaughter, Lily, thinks that her dad is old, but Pappy is not. <laughs> Oh, well, now that's so, interesting. So, so there must be a love factor in there. So I, I thought that was really, my dad. My dad's old, but you're not old, Pappy. And I went, that's right, sweetheart. You're exactly correct. <laughs> yes, that is true. Well, there was a recent age wave survey that says that we're pushing back the idea of age because the survey asked, when does old age begin? And what do you think they said? I think 65, 70 is what most people would have said is my guess. No, nope, 80 plus. Wow. Yeah, it used to be that 60 wow. or 65 was where we put the line. But that has really been pushed by a couple of decades. But isn't that interesting? And I think it's because now when we think about retirement, most of us think about, okay, what can we do in retirement instead of, oh, I can stop doing in retirement. Oh, that's, that is such a key, key planning element. And we share that with people from the get-go when we do retirement planning. It's like, look, we can take care of the financial side. We will partner with you. And our goal is your goal, which is to maximize the potential lifetime benefits from the nest egg you required. But you've got to have a plan for what you're going to do in retirement. I'll be honest. I mean, it can be a little bit abrasive sometimes, but it's kind of like that Dutch uncle giving you good wisdom. People will tell us, you know, well, I want to retire to Clearwater, Florida. 
okay, great. So tell me what that means. And they're going, well, we're going to buy a place down in Clearwater and sell our house here. Okay, so you relocate, you're in Clearwater. Now, what is your lifestyle going to be like? Mm-hmm. What do you mean? You know, we're going to be retired. Yes, you're going to be retired and you're going to be in a better weather pattern, you know, barring hurricanes. But what is it that you will be doing? You know, and they're like, uh, I'm not sure what you're asking. I said, you can sit in a lazy boy here in Pennsylvania or you can sit in a lazy boy in Clearwater. I said, either one of them will kill you. What are you going to do to enhance your lifestyle? I'm not a huge fan of the villages in Florida, which is obviously a takeoff of the original Sun City in Arizona. But, you know, one thing about, you know, my old football coach, who they just named the local football field after him, which was a great honor for him. He's 87. I can't believe Ted's 87. But he moved to the villages after retirement. And one of the reasons why was I saw him at a funeral years ago for a friend of ours, and he said, I can stay active. You know, there's always something to do with the villages. And, you know, we visited there. I have clients that live there. And, you know, they have more hobbies and more opportunities for people. I mean, there's almost nothing you can name that they don't do. I mean, Mm -hmm. they have so many opportunities. One of the hardest challenges in retirement is it's kind of like when you go out to dinner and you say, where do you want to eat? What's the normal response? <laughs> I don't know. Where do you where want do to you eat? Want to go? So you're, you're no further ahead. And, you know, it's like, it's like if you're in retirement and you look at your spouse and go, what do you want to do today? I don't know. What do you want to do today? It's going to be that, you know, unless you have a plan, unless you, you've explored that. So your retirement does take some work, you know, some in, in planning. It should just be the financial aspect, but it should be the lifestyle aspect. And that's really the driving force of the finances is to provide that lifestyle that you choose, that you want, and to be able to have the ability to have that lifestyle throughout your retirement years. You start talking about retiring at 65 and old is until 80, you go, okay, so that's 15 years of active lifestyle that before I get old, that I need to be able to fund. I need to be able to have the funds to do that. It is a larger conversation. It shouldn't just be financial. Too many times people come into the office, they want to focus on finance, and they want to get out, just like getting out of the dentist mm-hmm. office. You know, you know, for us, we're very realistic that we want it to be more. And the way that you're going to get the most out of life and get the most out of being with your family is having that positive attitude, but having a path where you say, hey, here's my timeline. You know, I'm going to do this till I'm 80. And and if you have that as a goal, you know, then you're not sitting around watching reruns of, hmm. of Archie Bunker, you know. You're right. Or Gilligan's Island or whatever. Well, you know, Bruce, when you're planning for a retirement like that, one thing that you can't help but take into consideration, economic conditions. And we talk often about the Federal Reserve and this fight against inflation. <laughs> And they keep talking about a soft landing. I want to get into that in just a moment. But first, you know, Jerome Powell spoke recently. It was the September meeting. And from that meeting, I think there were three key takeaways. But first of all, let's listen to what Jerome Powell had to say. We're prepared to raise rates further, if appropriate. And we intend to hold policy at a restrictive level until we're confident that inflation is moving down sustainably toward our objective. So maybe another interest rate hike this year. Rates are expected to remain higher longer, and AP reports that there's optimism there will be a soft landing. So my Mm -hmm. question for you is, what does a soft landing mean for us? We've seen significant economic growth from the injection of capital that we saw, you know, from the post-COVID era, okay? And so people had a lot of money, you know, and people were out spending it. They weren't necessarily spending it during COVID. So then once the freedom reestablished that we could go out and not wear masks and go to places and do things, people were buying more, people were doing more, and prices went up accordingly. Basically, it's supply and demand did its thing. Now, have those prices come down? No, they've not. You know, so those prices are still high, but you know, now we're seeing economic slowing. So a soft landing is a business cycle. It's basically saying, okay, you had a good period of a strong economic growth, and that's going to slow. So you'll get to where things aren't growing as fast, you know, or potentially even flat. But what they're trying to prevent is recession, where basically it goes the other direction. It goes negative. It's a very tedious task. They've been very staunch in their ability to raise rates. You know, obviously, if you're trying to buy a house now, or you're trying to buy an RV or whatever the case is, if you're going to borrow money, you kind of go, whoa, what happened? You know, mm-hmm. that the numbers have gotten significantly higher. So that means that people are not, not as many people will be buying houses, not as many people will be buying luxury items. Many people may not be buying anything but necessities. So if that happens, that obviously is what creates this, the reduction of growth in our economy. And that's what they're talking about. And the one thing that people have to remember in all of this is 
you know, they're talking about slowing inflation. So slowing inflation means I'm slowing the rate at which pricing is increasing on those things which are being purchased. But it doesn't mean that that hotel room that used to be $140 that is now $310 is going back to $140. And see, that's the key. You know, you have to realize even if they stopped inflation, for example, if, if there was a magic wand they could wave and it would stop inflation today, you're still not going to have people buying as much as they were buying when interest rates were low and prices were in the correct market. Now prices are high, interest rates are high, people are not buying as much, and even if they eliminated inflation tomorrow, if there was a magic way to, to totally prevent any more inflation, you still have less production, productivity and purchasing than you had before. I see. So we're still looking at the higher prices. That's, that's what I just heard in there, yeah. was that the prices will probably stay where they are instead of growing even more. That's the inflation control. Now, right. the, the second leg of that is if you are, let's say, for example, Best Buy, and you're selling large screen TVs, you know, and you sold... X number of units in 2021 and X number of units in 2022. And so you have these large screen TVs and the prices are a little are higher as expected due to inflation and production costs and everything, but they're not selling. So what do you have to do? You have to begin to reduce the prices sure. if you want to sell X number of units where well, your profitability goes down. If profitability goes down, then, then Best Buy stock, the company is not as profitable. So people will say, well, I'm going to something else that's more profitable, a concrete company or whatever. So they move their money and you know, they sell shares. So the price of Best Buy drops. So if you have a retirement account and you've got a number of these companies that the demand for their product has waned because of the higher prices and the higher interest rates and there's not as much free money laying around, then you're going to see those companies decline in their share prices and your portfolio decline accordingly. So this is the, the impact to retirees. You know, it is a supply and demand scenario. The bottom line is, you know, really, where should you be in your portfolio? We're going to talk about what wealthy people do later in the show. And some of the things they're doing basically are safeguarding themselves against these kinds of problems. As a matter of fact, we will be talking about that coming up next. In fact, the specific question I want you to think about is, what is the biggest yearly expense for the wealthiest people in this country? And I'll bet it's not what you think. We'll also be talking about tax strategies for legacy planning. And don't be alarmed, it's only a test, but you will lose control of your cell phone in the next few days. We'll talk about that as Get More Retirement continues. What do you do when you get a health diagnosis that doesn't look so good? Most likely, you'll get a second opinion. Shouldn't you treat your wealth the same way? Your financial health has probably declined to the point that you should get an updated diagnosis for your investment portfolio. At the Wealth Care Investment Center, a second opinion with one of our elite wealth specialists will include exploring a variety of higher-level planning and management strategies for your wealth. Our proven strategies could help you protect and grow your wealth in these volatile markets, reduce your retirement taxes, and build a consistent plan for income. We look at all possible opportunities to improve your financial health. So take a deep breath, give us a call, and let us give you a second opinion to help you manage your wealth just like you manage your health. If you have saved at least $500,000 or more for your retirement, get a second opinion today from one of our elite wealth specialists. Schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today. Call the WealthCare team now at 888-888-5601. That number again is 888-888-5601. You can also visit us online at wealthcare.com. That's wealthcare.com. You're tuned to Get More Retirement with Bruce Smith. I'm Cheryl White. So, Bruce, recently we talked about managing risk. And Business Insider says that's one of the top three money habits of the wealthy. But it's not number one. It's actually number two. Mm -hmm. Topping the list is what the wealthiest people tend to do with their money each year. So unveil it. What is number one? <laughs> Number one is pay yourself first. Mm -hmm. you know, bottom line is they, they save at least 25% of their income each year. That's something that if you're a year or two from retirement, you know, you're not going to make a big dent in what you've accumulated. 
But people that pay themselves first and, and put away a significant portion of their paycheck for the future are the people that truthfully become wealthy. When we see somebody that shows up and they've got two or three million dollars put away for retirement, you know, what was your contribution rate? And you'll find that, you know, typically both of them worked and they put away anywhere from 20 to 30 percent of their, of their income. Now, that's great in one aspect. The second problem is what, again, this, this article was not talking about is that a lot of people that are significantly wealthy today were putting money away before retirement accounts existed, and they didn't really focus necessarily on retirement accounts. So a lot of that money they've already paid tax on. The people that have put away significant portions of their paycheck into employer-sponsored retirement plans, uh, IRAs, things like that, is money that they put it away. They've accumulated wealth, but that wealth is now all 100% going to be taxable. It'll be taxable to a couple. It'll be taxable to the surviving spouse. It'll be taxable to the children until the last dollar is removed from those retirement accounts. So that's a, a big deal. So we start saying, you know, what is the biggest expense in retirement for a lot of these people? And it's not their lifestyle. It's the taxes they're going to pay. So that's why it becomes a very important focal point of opportunity to say, what does that tax bill look like if you do no management? And if you were to manage those taxes, you know, what's the difference? And quite often, our typical savings we see in our tax planning is over their lifetime projected about a 40% reduction. So if your lifetime tax bill was a million dollars, you would pay over 30 years, say, you know, that reduction is like $400,000 of money you get to keep for you and mm. your family. This is, I mean, again, it's a great story and, and it's neat that they're saying, hey, number one is, is how much they put away. Number two is managing risk, which we'll talk about. Uh, yeah, it's, it's very important. Well, you talk about in your book, Create Wealth, Retain Wealth, that you really focus on the kinds of things that the wealthiest people have in terms of financial planning and bringing that to everyone. So risk, managing risk, that's something that you go over in the book very carefully and how you can manage, not only manage it, but use it. Oh, yeah. I mean, managing risk is for wealthy people. Again, you could start at the very top, you know, go to Warren Buffett. First rule of money is don't lose money. The second rule of money is see rule number one. Now, <laughs> yes. you know, why does Warren Buffett say that? Because it is super critical. The name of the book is Create Wealth, Retain Wealth. And you can go to Amazon today and, and put in Create Wealth, Retain Wealth, and you can order the book. Hardback, we'll be glad to ship it out to you. <laughs> we, we ship a lot of them. But what's incredible there is, you know, we wrote the book as, as kind of a guidebook, if you will, for your retirement wealth and how to get the most opportunity for benefit out of it over your lifetime. See, that's the whole thing. The book and also wealth care, what we do that's unique and different is everybody's trying to find that golden egg. They're trying to find that perfect investment or, or that super next best thing that's going to come out and make them extremely wealthy. You know, that's called a lottery ticket. You, know, you might as well go buy a lottery ticket. A lot of people are looking, you know, they're saying, you know, I'm looking for a different advisor because I didn't get what I thought I was going to get from this advisor, or I'm going to become a do-it-yourselfer because I didn't like what they did or whatever. But at the end of the day, it comes down to not managing your money, not managing specific investments, but managing the opportunities that you have that will allow you to increase your wealth, to get the greatest benefit from your wealth. We talk all the time on the show in our in-person interviews and in our, our Zoom meetings and such. We go through the tax management strategy with people. And, you know, the most common phrase I hear, and somebody asked me one time, they said, you know, what's the one question that most people ask you? And, and they think it's, you know, what do you think the market's going to do? And, and I always thought that's what it would be. You know, but basically the number one thing we hear is more of, of a phrase, which is, I didn't know I could do that. <laughs> you know, you show them something and they're like, you know, wait a second, I, I didn't know I could do that. So in the area of risk, Warren Buffett gives us, I think, some of the greatest guidance. And we use this as kind of our measuring stick, if you will. And he said, you know, do not seek to get just the maximum possible return out of any investment or portfolio. Because if you do that, then, you know, you subject yourself to unnecessary and harmful risk. A better alternative is to focus on a portfolio that has more upside potential than downside potential. And if you do this, this will work about perfectly in helping your returns. His words quoted from, from Warren Buffett, not me. So what you know, he's saying is, you know, first of all, potential of the portfolio. Well, if you have a portfolio that's 60% stocks and 40% bonds, and I asked him, he said, tell me what the, the potential is of that. And, and they may spout an, an average rate of expected return. I said, okay, so but what do you know in advance? So if the market goes up, what will happen? 
well, I'll make money. The market goes down. What will happen? Well, I'll lose money. I say, okay. So how do you measure what percentage of that portfolio has more upside potential than downside potential? Because that's what Warren's giving us as a yardstick. So what we do is we say, okay, let's start from ground zero. We're not going to do the normal 60-40 or 80-20 or whatever. The first question is, if you could protect a portion of your portfolio from market downturns, from market losses, meaning a portion that you would know in advance that this part of my portfolio will not lose money, but I still have an opportunity for growth to achieve that projected return that I was looking for for my retirement. If you could do that, what percent of your portfolio would you want to protect from downside market risk exposure? You know, 30%, 40 50 60 what would it be? And, and we'll come up with a number. So, okay, now, so that's that's the portion you know in advance that it has nothing but upside potential and no downside potential. So we go to the next element and say, okay, what percent of your portfolio would you like to, you know, mostly have protected from stock market losses? Meaning if the market has small, you know, downturns, you're not going to suffer losses. But if it has significant downturns, you only have small losses, but you still have healthy returns on the upside if the market is up in a given year. What percent of your portfolio would you like to have mostly protected from the market downside risk and exposure of losses? Is it 10, 20, 30, 40%? And they give us a number. Okay. And say, so, you now the balance will do the traditional unknown of, you know, a collection of, of managed stocks and bond type holdings. So in those two markets. But if we have 60%, for example, that we have protected or mostly protected, we know in advance that that portfolio now, the majority, if in fact, does have more upside potential than downside potential. And now we've met that metric where Warren tells us this will work about perfectly in helping your return. So the management of risk and the strategy we utilize is exactly what wealthy people do. They're very staunch on don't lose money, rule number two, see rule number one. What are you doing to prevent me from losing money? The misconception out there is that, well, if I do that, I only have CDs, or I only have savings accounts, or I only have money markets you know, that I can put that money into, and they're going to be crappy returns, so that's not going to work for me. I need a better return, so that's why I'm going to take this risk over here. No, you can achieve significant returns with those types of institutional instruments if you're working with a firm that understands true risk management. You know, we're, we're, it's not just a score where you answer some questions and they pick up high and they stick you in a 60-40 or a 70-30 portfolio. You know, we go much, much further and much, much deeper saying, we want to know in advance before that market downturn, I have protection on this portion of my portfolio. I have protection from significant losses and another chunk of my portfolio that it's not going to go down in small downturns in the market, 10, 10% or something like that. But if I have a significant drop in the market, say 30%, I would only lose 10. So arresting those down numbers is monster. It's significant, but it's only one piece of the puzzle opportunity-wise because we also want to look at opportunities to, you know, get more for the fees that you're paying, to, you know, certainly reduce that tax bill, keep more of that money for you and your family, and to divorce Uncle Sam, you know, from his ability to tax a significant portion or even all of your portfolio eventually. And then, you know, what about, you know, what's going to your kids? You know, what's going to a surviving spouse who automatically gets into a higher tax bracket because they're now single? See, all of these opportunities, so managing opportunities is the key. It's not just one thing, just risk or just taxes or what have you. It's making sure that you're hitting all the marks, going down that checklist and saying, I want every possible opportunity that's available for my specific situation. Well, you know, you, you pretty much just covered it, but that's number three on the list of things that the wealthiest people do, and that is to have a financial team they can trust. Yeah, and we've talked about technology because, you know, one thing we get asked quite often is how many people do you have in your firm? And before I answer the question, I say, tell me why you're asking that. You know, well, I want to work with a firm that has, you know, 30 or 40 or 50 people. I said, okay. I said, so, you know, obviously there's a payroll for those people. You know, what is it that all those people do? You know, just looking at a firm and saying, you know, you can have a firm that has three people. You can have a firm that has 30 people. And, and you know, if you make the, the assumption, well, a 30-people firm is better. First of all, the overhead's a lot bigger over there, <laughs> number one. But number two is, you know, how are they embracing technology? 90% of what we see when we build a plan, it is the evolution of technology that allows us to be able to do things 
we see self-checkouts, for example, at Walmart or wherever you go. And you say, well, what's that all about? Well, you know, they're, they're decreasing their overhead because that machine will work 24 hours a day, doesn't require a health plan, doesn't belong to a union, whatever the case may be. It's less expensive long term. The same thing holds true with technology. My background is nuclear engineering. We have always embraced technology to create efficiency. We have our advisors, we have our administrative staff, but, you know, but just using a, a you know, number of people present in today's world is, is really a faux pas because we have a lot of, we have great partnerships with firms that have, you know, several hundred people working there and our technology gives us access inside of what they do. And we will use those teams for advanced planning, things like that. But, you know, you don't have to have all of that under one roof. Today, it can be remote and, and we take advantage of that to keep our costs in check and pass that savings on to our clients. But they're saying here that number three is having a financial team that you can trust. You know, basically, what is the purpose of the team? The team is people have different disciplines that they are experts in, their expertise. So if you're checking off the opportunity, for example, to save, you know, basically, if you have a technology-based plan generation where you're going to do all the tax calculations, all the future tax strategies, and you're going to integrate that along with the risk management, along with the fee reduction strategies, along with the beneficiary estate planning benefits to your family, to your surviving spouse, to your children. As long as you're hitting all those marks, it used to be you needed one or two people with each one of those disciplines and then bring all those people together for a team of experts. And the, the result today is, is using the very best strategies out there, but using technology to facilitate that where you can have that expertise, that level of computation, but you don't have to have the overhead of 20 people to do it. Well, to learn more about strategies for making the most from your retirement dollars, you can pick up a copy of Bruce's book. We were just talking about that book and all of the information inside. The title is Create Wealth, Retain Wealth, and it's available on Amazon. Or you could just call Bruce and the team at WealthCare at 888-888-5601 or do both. 888-888-5601. That way you have that book for reference at any time. Coming up, how giving up some control now could really pay off later. That and more as Get More Retirement continues. Are you afraid to look at your financial statements? Are you shredding them without opening them? If so, it's time for you to get a second opinion from the WealthCare Investment Center. At WealthCare, our portfolios are designed using proven risk reduction strategies to help protect and preserve your wealth during market downturns while maintaining the opportunity for strong growth when the market turns upward. All of our wealth managers are fiduciaries that will always put your interest above all others. If you need a plan to better manage the ups and downs of the financial market, we are ready to help. Let us help you explore the opportunities available from using a higher level of planning and management for your wealth. Instead of shredding or avoiding your financial statements, let's take a look at them together. If you have saved at least $500,000 or more for your retirement, get a second opinion today from one of our elite wealth specialists. Schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today. Call the wealth care team now at 888-888-5601. That number again is 888-888-5601. You can also visit us online at wealthcare.com. That's wealthcare.com. This is Get More Retirement with the founder of WealthCare. That's Bruce Smith. I'm Cheryl White. Now, Bruce, early in the show, I said we'd talk about something that's making the holidays a little less bright for some people this year. And that's the fact that they're not going to be hiring as many seasonal workers. I think a lot of people, especially some retirees, kind of depend on those few months at the end of the year. They pick up a little bit of extra cash. But this year, stores say they're not going to be hiring as many of those seasonal workers as they have in the past. Now, that's a generalization because some are hiring, but many, many others are not. So why is that? Why do you think the stores would be actually cutting back on that seasonal hiring? I think, I think it's a combination of things. I mean, number one, I think without question, is online shopping. Every day I've been getting buzzed by Amazon. You know, their next uh, special days for Amazon to buy stuff. and They're they have deals a lot of them now, don't Yeah, they? I mean, it, they work, you know. They, okay, I'll watch out for it. If you don't buy what's on special, at least you drive you to their site to say, oh, well, what about this or what about that? I know Mrs. Smith is still is, is out, you know, getting stuff quite a bit for the grandkids already. And she's finding in the stores that 
their staffing is low and yet over in the corner they're putting in self checkouts you know so they're mm-hmm. they're going to be even more more challenges there but people are not buying big box stores a lot of the data is telling us they're not buying the big things that they may or may not have needed but just you know I want to upgrade my TV washer dryer whatever the case may be they're buying necessities or they're buying a, you know travel or things like that which really has has come home to roost on the internet so i think those are the keys if you're counting on hey that seasonal job other than selling christmas trees you know right <laughs> which is, you got to have people for that but i don't know what the opportunity is going to be there and it's going to affect i think a lot of retirees because that is a good season where they they go in and do that that you know because they're saying hey I'll, I'll work over the christmas season to get some extra money for gifts for the grandkids or whatever so i think that's going to be very thin this year well bruce i want to now switch into a type of investment that I've been reading more and more about, and that is the investing in collectibles as part of a diversified portfolio. And what made me think about that this week was the fact that an auction record has just been set for the sale of a $10,000 bill. It dated back to the Great Depression. So that bill from 1934 just sold for $480,000. That was a record. And this auction, a heritage auction, I think it was, also featured coins selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I wondered if someone decides to start maybe selling off a little bit of those collectible items that they've had put away for years, what is the smart thing to do if you find yourself with several hundred dollars or more in profit from that sale? The first cautionary note I've got to give people is be very careful with collectibles. I mean, first of all, on the estate side, after somebody passes, you know, we have seen dish collections. We've seen different knickknack collections. We've seen salt and pepper shaker collections. Mm-hmm. We've seen about everything under the sun. I mean, I'll use myself. I bought a lot of Dale Earnhardt stuff whenever Dale Earnhardt was racing. And then Dale you know, was killed in a crash and the, the value of his collectibles went through the roof. I didn't sell any of it. You know, now today I have Dale, a lot of Dale Earnhardt stuff that really isn't probably worth what I paid for it. You know, so there are, there are cycles that go with some of these collectibles. But, you know, when they're talking about specific, you know, rare coins and things like that, there's a huge push out there to sell those types of products to people, you know, we're selling gold coins or, or whatever. And be very careful because a lot of times you, if you buy that coin and then call them five days later to sell it back to them, don't be surprised if they offer you 40% less than you paid. We've seen that way too many times. Mm. So the thing with collectibles, and if you sell them, we have people that have sold some collectibles. And, and, and of course, you know, you're always proud poppy you puff out your chest and I got this for my baseball card. I think we recently locally had some some baseball card collection that went for 10 grand. But how long did you have that stuff? You know, I well, I had it over 40 years. Okay, so yeah, you brought in $10,000 on something that cost you $100, you know, but you still have to look at that rate of return and then what do you expect to earn? You're not going to earn you know, crazy numbers, you know, don't take risks and lose half of that $10,000 because you, you know, you were reaching for some big, giant, crazy investment. Create wealth, retain wealth works for that process as well. You want to earn a reasonable rate of return on that money, but it, it should be just like any other investment. If you if you have that liquidity where you've sold something, when will you need to access the money? How much will you need to access? Do you need it for income? You know, how long can it be invested? You know, it was invested in that collectible for quite a long time, I'm, I'm guessing. So use the same rules. Rules don't change just because you had a windfall and wherever it came from. But basically, it's where are you going? And we want to make sure that it is a best fit for you. Well, let's just say you have a collection of something and you want to pass that along to the next generation. I remember last week we were talking about estate planning and you said, I tend to think of it as beneficiary planning. Mm-hmm. So let's just say that you have a beneficiary. You want to leave a collection or maybe you go bigger. Maybe you have a vacation home and you want to pass that along, but you still want to use that vacation home now. I mean, while you can, is there a way that you can transfer that with possession to be taken later? Well, I mean, the thing is you can gift it now. You know, and just because your kids own it, we see that a lot with vacation homes. You know, just because the kids own it doesn't mean you can't go there and you do go there. You know, you still enjoy exactly the same benefit you would have had if you had owned it. The idea of, of gifting away, whether it be real estate or collectibles or whatever the case, you know, we really encourage that to people because you know where it's going and you've taken control of it and done that during your lifetime. If you wait until you're gone, then it becomes part of the estate, the estate process additional fees, additional costs. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. And you can gift, you know, people are are mistaken in that they say, oh, 
uh, I can only give $17,000 a year away because of gift taxes. It's like, no, that's not what it says. It says if you gift away more than that, you have to file a gift tax return. But a gift tax return has no tax associated with it. You can give away a $400,000 vacation home and gift it, and there's no repercussions. I mean, it belongs to the kids. They don't pay any income tax. There's no gains, nothing. It's theirs. So you can do that. The only time that the gift tax return comes into play is if you if your estate's worth several million dollars, and in most cases that's not the case. So you know we encourage that, and and they have that ability to do so. We plan for that in in most cases. And if you have some things, for example, let's say you have an antique dresser that is in your home, and you want to you're gifting that to your daughter, you know, well, how does anybody know that? We say. The best investment is a roll of masking tape. You know, basically tell her that's yours. I'm giving it to you. I'm going to be using it. But on the back, take the masking tape. See, this was gifted on this date to my daughter, so-and-so, and sign it. So whenever the daughter wants to move that out of the house, the other family members can't scream because you wrote that. You did that. <laughs> but it was like, no, that's my dresser. You know, okay. So there's a lot of things that can be done, you know, so you don't have the complexities of stuff getting tied up and being costly in the estate. But uh, in the case of vacation homes, now the downside the risk of it is, you know, for example, you gift that vacation home to your son and your son is involved in a car accident where the claims exceed the amount of insurance they were carrying and they get sued. They own that house. They own that vacation home. It is subject to loss in that scenario. So it's a far remote opportunity, but it's possible. So understanding what that is, you can do that. Also, you can put it in a trust, which has its own pluses and minuses. Do you think there's an emotional component here? I was I was reading an article in Kiplinger, and it says that some people find it emotionally difficult to let go of ownership. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's a control thing. Well, I, I, I want to know what's going on until the day I die. Well, that's fine. But understanding what the cost factor is in doing that. Most people, if you have an intelligent conversation, now most advisors don't have that discussion. I mean, we've done this long enough and been versed in, in so many estates. We work with good estate planning attorneys. We know the ins and outs of a lot of that. And our job is not to give legal advice, but to give you ideas to ponder and then and then be able to facilitate them, you know, with the right professionals down the road. But having that discussion and, and integrating that to a wealth planning or wealth management discussion is important. And we've had people where, okay, that makes sense, but all they know is what's in their head. And until they can expand that, you know, and talk about it intelligently and develop a course of action, they want to maintain that control because they don't know any other opportunities. You know, this would be a good time to talk about what happens when someone comes into the office to sit down with you for, you know, as a stress test or just to talk with you about retirement. And by the way, if you have saved $500,000 or more toward your retirement, then you'll get that wealth checkup. And that way, Bruce and the team at WealthCare can show you what you could potentially save or potentially lose. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole idea is is we start with a clean sheet of paper. And again, the reason for the $500,000 number is that's where the tax planning benefit really starts to really take hold and become incredibly valuable. The strategies that we do will still work for me as hundred grand, but typically you won't see as great of an impact of the tax management. So if you've saved $500,000 or more and essentially, you know, uh, tend to work with us and we do it by Zoom. We can do it in person. Basically, you know, we're going to go down the list of opportunities that are available. And a lot of times we're like, I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know I could do that. <laughs> we'll build the plan based on what you have selected. You want to take advantage of these opportunities. So we'll build that plan. But we'll also look at what you're doing now and then make the comparison and say, here's a plan we developed for you. And for example, on the risk management side, with the risk you're currently taking, you know, that's projected to, to have about $380,000 less money at the end of retirement at age 90, checkpoint. And then we say, now the tax management, you had none in your current plan, and that would have cost you about a million three, <laughs> you know. And that's where people are like, wow, you know, I see the advantage of taking mm-hmm. advantage of all these different opportunities. And that's the goal of the consultations and planning that we do for people. And then, you know, we basically, it's, you see the difference. Like, here's what it's costing you not to take advantage of these opportunities. Let me give you the number. It's 888-888-5601, 888-888-5601. And Bruce, before we go today, I just wanted to remind everyone that on October 4th, The government will briefly take control of your cell phone. They are doing a wireless test. FEMA is testing the emergency alert system for wireless devices. So right after the test, you can use your phone as usual. But it's not only your phone. They're going to be sending the message to radio, smart TVs, everything. Everything wireless. (laughs) 
I, I don't know how this is going to go. It's going to get interesting. That's for sure. You know, um, it's I'm dying. I'm dying to see how many people will follow up with nine one one. I just really I know. have a. I just. I it just. I don't know. I mean, they have to do it. I understand it. I guess the the part that's a little bit quizzical to me is they do this test and it generates the emergency and it says, hey, you know, this is this is a test of the National Wireless Emergency Test System. Okay, that's great. And we, we're used to that on our television. But how do they know that we got it? You know what I mean? It's, I mean, tell, I guess I was on television, they know it was projected and, and it's kind of a very controlled media. Here, you know, it's, they're saying it's a test message is going to come out. So we're going to get an audio message and a text or, you know, what are they... I, you know, it's just, again, you know, we're talking about this, but uh, I, I don't know. It, <laughs> just wanted to we'll let see. you know it's happening, and that will be at 2.20 p.m. Eastern Time. That'll be on October 4th. So yep. when it comes across your phone, your smart TV, your radio, you at least will you know heard what's it here happening. first. That's you heard exactly it here right. first. Yep. <laughs> hey, thank you for joining us today for Get More Retirement with Bruce Smith. To continue the conversation on any of the topics on today's show, just reach out to Bruce and the team at WealthCare, and that's 888-888-5601. Have a great week. Thank you, Bruce. Hey, have a good week, everybody. Thanks again, Cheryl. Are you afraid to look at your financial statements? Are you shredding them without opening them? If so, it's time for you to get a second opinion from the WealthCare Investment Center. At WealthCare, our portfolios are designed using proven risk reduction strategies to help protect and preserve your wealth during market downturns while maintaining the opportunity for strong growth when the market turns upward. All of our wealth managers are fiduciaries that will always put your interest above all others. If you need a plan to better manage the ups and downs of the financial markets, we are ready to help. Let us help you explore the opportunities available from using a higher level planning and management for your wealth. Instead of shredding or avoiding your financial statements, let's take a look at them together. If you have saved at least $500,000 or more for your retirement, get a second opinion today from one of our elite wealth specialists. Schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today. Call the Wealth Care Team now at 888-888-5601. That number again is 888-888-5601. You can also visit us online at wealthcare.com. That's wealthcare.com. Advisory services offered through the Wealth Care Investment Center, a registered investment advisory firm. Insurance products and services offered through American Assets Financial Corp. and RIA Wealth Solutions LNC. The information contained in the material provided is for informational purposes only, and no statement contained here should constitute tax, legal, or investment advice. Our program content is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual situation. You should seek advice on legal and tax questions from an independent attorney or tax advisor. Our firm is not affiliated with the U.S. government or any governmental agency. This radio program is sponsored by the Wealth Care Investment Center.